Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, the door is closed. The pod has started. I've gathered you here to talk about something very important. And that's something very important is that I think that your outfits are too good <laughs> when you come to the apartment to record the podcast. And it's it's making me a little bit it's making me a little bit insecure. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to perform once the tape starts starts rolling. And I wanted to call this meeting call this podcast recording to really let it all out get it all out on the table so that we can address how your your attire is just too good i'm sitting here wearing um a t-shirt and jeans Mm -hmm. black jeans but a really nice (laughs) t-shirt thank you (laughs) you look nice as well thank you. you know i i think it's important for us to feel comfortable while we're doing this, you know, we want to be in in a in a space where there's there's no judgment, right? When we're free to kind of let loose, we don't want anyone cutting up any outfits in here because <laughs> they don't like to perform in them. Well, this is just it's just not how we podcast, right? You don't you can't you don't dress well when you come to podcast. Okay, it's it's not how we do things around here, right? So if you could if you could kindly be as boring as possible. Mm-hmm. And you could make no new fans for this podcast. I, that's I, that's fine. I already did that. <laughs> no, this bit doesn't even make sense. It's not even a good bit to start the podcast. <laughs> um, I wanted to try to talk about the Jazz Chisholm situation in a fun way. Um, because it's just, it's just so absurd. <laughs> so I wanted to treat it with the proper amount of absurd absurdity. Major League Baseball drip this year is real good. Yeah, that's I'm, true. I'm just saying, like, like we're we're gonna do a, a segment that kind of talks about the the things that have attracted our attention, either positively or negatively, this year. Um, and that is one thing that's that is maybe not on my list, but I'm acutely tuned into. Right? Is just baseball players are having their style moment. Well, so would you put that in the stock up or stock down? Are you more of a Don Mattingly or are you more of a the rest of the world? <laughs> Yeah, Don Mattingly rocked the porn stash for like most of his career. Like, yeah. I don't know that he has really room to to make any judgments any which way about how people um, present themselves to the world. The thing that was okay, I don't even want to get too far away from this because I, I want to get into our more our more fun segments. But the thing that was really frustrating about that story was, and granted, take it with a grain of salt because we got it through the lens of John Heyman, so you never really know what that means in this context, but. The thing that was so frustrating about that story was if if Jazz is acting like an asshole, just leak that he's acting like an asshole and the team and his teammates don't want to be around him because of that or he's getting a little bit too cocky or whatever or he's not being a good teammate. That would be something to leak to the media. But don't leak to the media that they don't like his hair and that he's dressing like Dennis Rodman. I mean, the the dog whistles are coming from inside the house. Yeah. Y'all like 
The dog whistles are coming from inside Lone Depot Park. <laughs> it's a good it's a good title for this podcast. Um, okay, like Alex said, we're going to do a stock up, stock down. Uh, I'll explain that a little bit more in a second. We're going to talk about the um, the rich people shit going on in Baltimore. It's just a lot of rich people shit going on there. But um, it affects baseball fans. Then we're going to answer a couple of voicemails. Uh, and we'll get out of here. In and out really fast. But before we do all of that, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Okay, thank you to our new patrons this week. I'm just getting right to it. I'm going full professional host today. Yeah. I got, you, a, I got I, a lot of energy. I got here. You were, you were ready to go. I was fired up. I've had a productive day already. Typically, when we record this podcast, I uh, do nothing for the four hours before you get here. And then we sit around for two hours and we decide to talk about it, And then we record for three hours. But not today, baby. Not today. No. I've, I, have a, I have a stand for my microphone now. Again, pulling back the curtain a little bit. But like, my hands are free. You can't see this, but I'm doing like shadow puppets on the walls <laughs> while we're doing this recording. Like, I don't know. It feels like I, we've leveled up. Literally like, okay. A quick moment of retrospect here for us. We used to just tweet thing, dumb stuff, and get like a like and the same like five people replying to it, us retweeting it from our personal accounts, trying to grow the brand. And now I tweet like a picture of a microphone stand and people are like, hell yeah, guys, congratulations. <laughs> it's really amazing. Thank you to everybody. It's the American dream right and there. Thank you to Foolish Baseball for knocking us down a peg by saying that um, that microphone stand looks like you're going to start talking about cancel culture. <laughs> Thank you to our new patrons this week, Nathan, Andrew, and Callie. Okay, stock up, stock down, Alex. This, um, if you've been listening for a while, it, it might strike you as very similar to a little segment that we had called Three Up, Three Down, which um, we used to do weekly, uh, but we don't anymore. Kind of unceremoniously uh, axed from the podcast. Right, without much of an explanation. Well, it's, fine. it's, it's um, being workshopped, we'll say, for... Uh, I'll just come right out and say it for maybe for the patreon one of these days i don't i don't care this is full transparency um stock up stock down though i'm stealing this segment from another podcast that i produce um i'm sure there are some of you listening to this podcast who also listen to the big picture uh stock up stock down basically for the whole season thus far we're about a third of the way through and you and i admirers of wall street that we are just wanted to lend our condolences to the various um banks stockbrokers out there who are Having a tough time in this uh, this down market. Uh, never mind my 401k, which is also having a, having a tough time. Love to live in a society. We're going to talk about the things that are having a moment and are um, more so on the downswing. It'll make sense the more we talk about them, I think. Right. These are these are just good good things and bad things. Trending we've, up, we've trending noticed. down. This is just a podcast segment. You know, we're just packaging it nice and neat for you guys so that right. we could talk about some stuff that we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about um, so far this season. So, do you want to start with up or down? Let's start down because I I imagine some of these things are conversations we've maybe already had or danced around uh, over the course of the year. So we can we can power through those and then get to the things that have that have sparked joy for us this year. Um, I'll do you one better. I'm going to start with a neutral. Okay. Plot twist. Didn't right. tell you about okay, this. Okay. Neutral. Rob Manfred. Mm-hmm. Haven't heard much about that guy recently. Yep. Have you? Nope. When was the last time you heard Rob's voice? Saw a quote from him. Saw him in the real world. I mean, this offseason really, I think, kind of 
reset the idea of like how much exposure we can or should have to to Rob Manfred, right? Like he like we were seeing him, we were hearing from him on like a weekly basis. Daily. Right? Towards D- the end. Daily basis. I was like watching press conferences, like of my own volition, going out of my way to see him talk about baseball and and its state. And you know, I gotta respect it. The deal got done and then he just kind of dipped. He just fucking Went back from which he came. You know, he just slithered back to his little hole in the ground. Yeah, his little lair. Um, do you think that's a concerted effort? Do you think that someone in the MLB commissioner's office was like, all right, Rob, Q score in the tank. Yeah. Maybe it's time for you to just like take a retreat out to Cedar Rapids. Right. A little, <laughs> a little overexposure on his part. Right. Um, I think it is. I, I think it actually probably is. And then once All-Star break rolls around, he'll have to come back into the fold a yeah. little bit. But um, I think he was like, you guys have had enough from me. And you know what? More power to him. I don't think he likes being in the spotlight based on the fact that the owners just kind of push him out there from behind the curtain. And they're like, okay, Rob, um, eat shit for a couple hours. <laughs> and he's like, okay, yes, sir. Uh, okay, stock down. This is the most serious one, so we'll just start with it and get it out of the way. I have stocked down the Rays as an organization for a couple of reasons. Um, the first one, I'll start with the news from the past week where five Rays players refused to wear the Pride Month patch that was on the hat of the Tampa Bay Rays that they were wearing for, I guess, home games or all games throughout June. And those players cited their religious views as the reason that they can't wear this patch. Do you do you even remember which five players it was? Right, I I have the names here. They're all like milk toast, yeah, like random white name generators. I feel like names. we should name them though, right? Because they they came out happily putting their names to these quotes Hicks, in many yes. articles. Uh, yeah, it was uh, they were all pitchers: Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks, Brooks Raley, Jeffrey Springs, and Ryan Thompson. I put them in stock down because I don't know how, as an organization, you let something like this get to this point. You knew you were going to have these patches. You knew you were going to use them as a way to help members of the queer community feel included during Pride Month. And I imagine this is not the, the first time that these players or other players have expressed some reservations about wearing something like this. And... It rolled around and they just didn't do it. And the Rays didn't really have a plan of action for that happening. And I don't know. This this news came out mere hours after we recorded last week. And I thought that it was particularly resonant with the conversation we had around the state of political actions and social justice by billion-dollar corporations and how they often ring so hollow and, you know, this was just another example of this. This sucks. This is not what your religion tells you to do. This is what you used your religion as cover for, for your bigoted views about the world. Right. I mean, the point of Pride Night and really any sort of celebration of Pride Month within Major League Baseball is to simply say that LGBTQ people are are welcome at the ballpark. That's that's it. that's that's, that's pretty thing. much it. Yeah, and you can take issue with 
whether or not that's actually a meaningful step, if that's a meaningful stand to take. But that's that's what it is. Yeah. So to opt out of that sort of thing and to use your religion as cover for that bigotry is, I don't know, pretty cowardly, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Like, say say what you mean. Say what you mean, right? Yeah. Like, like there were there were pitchers who came out afterwards who said, you know, I have nothing against gay people. Always good when you have to start your sentence like right, that. Right, but, 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 <laughs> I don't know. Like, like you said, we we were talking last week about making political stands in baseball, and the kind of you know this comes just a couple weeks after every player was wearing the the ugliest camo uniforms you have ever seen for Memorial Day weekend and you astutely pointed out on Twitter I want you know I wonder what the backlash would look like if a if a player decided to opt out of caping for the the American war machine yeah well I think and I think it's important to point out there was a lot of backlash for this and and that's good but that backlash came from fans mm-hmm I think if somebody had refused to wear the camo hat because their religion tells them not to blindly murder people in war, then the backlash would have come from inside the house, to borrow a phrase that we've already used multiple times on this podcast. The, bad, the backlash would have come from the commissioner's office or from within the organization or from the owner who doesn't want to offend, let's just say, a random company like Lockheed Martin. <laughs> You know, I think that the it would have been institutional backlash. And that's what I that's what I think a moment like this makes so clear is that there are things that MLB accepts into its orbit because they think that it will make them more popular. And then there are things that are part of MLB's DNA. And and these two things that we're talking about are stark examples of that contrast to me. Patriotism and jingoism is part of the DNA. And Pride Night, accepting members of the LGBTQ community is not. It's, a, it's something that you can distance yourself from and still be a functioning member of a Major League Baseball team. And, and that's not true for other things that MLB wants to embrace. Yeah, well, when we talk about, when we talk about the idea of kind of apoliticism in the sport, like this kind of, I think, perfectly represents that divide right where every every issue is inherently a political one you can't you can't opt out and i you know i'll say it was it was heartening to see some raised players talk about how how happy they were to wear the pride flag right and mm-hmm. to kind of push back on that narrative a little bit and you know there are players around the league who are very outspoken in support for the lgbtq community it's so weird seeing players call out other players and and ha- like the evaporation of some of that decorum of not openly criticizing other players for what they do mm-hmm. that has I think come with social media basically like Jack Flaherty quote tweeting the article just as you or I would yeah. being like this is a joke. Yeah. That's wild. It is. It's kind of, it's I mean it's happened slowly but when you look back on it it feels like it's happened in a flash that that players just openly enter the political discourse like this it's weird yeah it's good i think 
Yeah. And like, it's good that these discourses it's I think, good are, are with happening. reservations. Right, Remember, right, like right. when Bradford was like, maybe you don't want to hear everybody's opinion. I always think about that. Right. Well, I and certainly I think the the way in this in, the way in that this is revealing itself is certainly pretty abhorrent. Uh, I think it's probably a good thing that players are feeling a little more emboldened and protected to actually push back. You know. Yeah. We spent a lot of time on a heavier topic than I think we were intending for this segment, but. I think it's important to talk about that. And I think it's important not to let these race players off the hook for doing something like this. Um, okay, so let's get to your first down. All right, my first down. I want to bring it back to the the storyline of, of the offseason. Do, uh, do you remember a little thing called the CBA? We touched on it once or twice. Vaguely. Where Where is it at? I don't know. I've been wondering this too. And you know... When we did our CBA emergency reaction pod, stupid little us, and I should have known better, by the way. Like when you get a, when you get a deal, what you actually get is like a memorandum. It's called a memorandum of agreement. You agree that this is the framework of what you will have, and these are the important details of what you have, and the language will be looked at and poured over by lawyers for a small media company, like the next three to four weeks, for a multi-billion dollar antitrust protected sports league? I guess the next four months, five months, six months, and we're still waiting on the CBA. So that um, in-depth pod that we promised, it's just, it's not, it's not here yet. Well, and, and there is like, there's the kind of literal interpretation of where is the CBA, right? Which is, we don't, we don't have the text yet. It doesn't exist to our knowledge, right? Yeah. And then there's kind of the well, it does exist. Well, if you want to hack Rob Manfred's computer, like you could, you could find it probably. You think? Yeah. You think it's on his? Do they use like Google Docs? No, no. But then there's the kind of more figurative, theoretical idea of where is the CBA, right? And, yeah, this is and, what I'm more interested in. And like, what was it intended to do? How it was intending to kind of shape of the sport moving forward and you know we've been over this so many times right that it, it's the players really wanted to address competitive balance right and the the kind of broader economic system especially when it comes to younger players and while certainly it it can take months and even years for you to really actually see the the result of a CBA right these things don't change overnight I'm kind of wondering when when we're gonna when we're gonna see that shit, because there was kind of widespread agreement that hey maybe some teams are not trying as hard as they should, and hey maybe maybe we should try and make it so they actually do want to try and and spend money so that they can win baseball games because for the most part the goal of baseball is to win the games. Here's the thing, we said it that night. That that was the one thing that they didn't address. I know. And nowhere written down on a piece of fucking paper does it say these 30 teams have to try and win baseball games. No. That's the problem. It's not legally enforceable. Yeah. And if it's not legally enforceable, billionaires not going to do it. Yeah. Not going to do it. Yeah. If there was not minimum wage laws, do you think Elon Musk would be paying people seven twenty five? No fucking way. <laughs> no way. I don't know. I don't know what you get paid as a, as a Tesla employee, but uh, probably not a lot. <laughs> taking a drive-by shot at Elon Musk. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know. I just I feel like it has really quickly kind of faded from the consciousness of the the broader narrative working its way through baseball, right? It's kind of back to business as usual. And there was a lot of venom. There was a lot of fire yeah. for the management side of baseball throughout those negotiations. Yeah. And I guess I'm just saying, hey, keep that, keep it up. No, you're keep right. Up. Those those fractures are not gone, right? I think it's reasonable to after you get a CBA to chill a little <laughs> bit because it's such a push. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you have to cool down for the next how I mean, whatever the term of your CBA is, it's different for every industry. But you have to you human beings cannot sustain this level of raw emotion that comes with being that mad at your employer. And that's reasonable. But at the same time, the cynical view of that would be as soon as you get a CBA, everybody forgets about the problems and because you can't change them over the next five years. And that's the problem with everything feeling rushed when you get to negotiations. That's why you get eroded at the table is because you're not, you're not, you're not prepared. You're not organized throughout those whole, the rest of the five years. And I don't know what the MLBPA is doing right now. I have no idea. Are they continuing the organizing effort? Maybe internally. But I know that the MLBPA needs to continue to leverage public opinion. Because for whatever reason, in baseball, people give a shit about the relationship between management and players. A little bit more than they do in other sports. This podcast is proof of that. So. I think continuing to educate fans on why this is important, it matters throughout the, the five years that the CBA is in effect. And it, it makes it so that in that last year leading up to negotiations, you're not trying to do your entire project the night before it's due. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. It, I, I don't mean I don't want to malign or criticize the MOPPA because they have a uniquely difficult task. Oh, yeah. And and I don't even necessarily think that they need to go like scorched earth right now, right? I mean, I mean, Honestly, I don't I, I mean, I'd I'd love to see it. But also, I don't know if you heard, uh baseball players are playing baseball right yeah. now. Yeah. And I think a lot of them probably don't have time for political theory when it comes to negotiating a a union contract. But if you're a fan, you should be tuned in still but that's why i mean that's why we idolize marvin miller though is because when the players weren't thinking about it he was Mm -hmm. and i don't know i mean tony clark is obviously not marvin miller for a million different reasons he was a player first and he's not trying to foundationally change the relationship of labor to management in baseball but like in many ways marvin miller paved the way so that tony clark didn't have to be like him but I don't know. I, I get excited when the people who are leading the labor movement, it's absurd to say that the MLBPA is at the forefront of the labor movement, but it is because our country is um, our country. I get excited when those people are the militant ones. And I don't know. It just doesn't seem like Tony is militant, but maybe he is. And maybe the union is leading him away from being militant, like secretly fantasizing about Tony Clark, like ready to storm the... <laughs> Burn down the baseball stadiums. <laughs> it's an interesting fanfic. Yeah, Tony, if you're listening, you 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 have a you have an open line. 
Um, okay, my next down, Carrot Futures. <laughs> Play the song, Alex. Play the song. He's got carrots and lettuce and mushrooms, porcini. The vegetable king, Bob Castellini. Oh, it's the Castellinis. Um, You know, this is a first third of the season recap that we're doing here. So without too much recency bias, for the first few weeks of the the baseball season, Alex, they were getting it left and right Mm -hmm. and front and center and underneath and above. They were getting it from all directions, the Castellinis. And I think it's a perfect follow up to what you just said, because where is the CBA? Where is the correcting where is where is the course correction from anti-competitive behavior if anything we've just dug our heels in deeper Mm -hmm. on anti-competitive behavior and the poster children of that the literal poster child the poster fail son of that is phil castellini and his dad bob castellini and it's a real shame because the reds are not uninteresting as a franchise like they still have joey Votto. they play in a cool park they have a, an incredibly rich history. They have Hunter Green, one of the most exciting young pitchers in baseball. Jonathan India, one rookie of the year last year. He's in his second season. Like There are things to recommend about this team, and they're just completely being overshadowed by the, the clown show that is the Castellinis and their carrot empire. And I, I don't know. That's down. The stock is down. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, so the I'll literal that, stock of carrots is down, by the way, too, and that's why they're doing what they're doing. Is it? If you want to get real with it, is it? I mean, they took a fucking hit during the pandemic, right? And maybe it's back on the upswing. People are back in on wholesale produce. If I Google like carrot stocks, carrot futures, Google that, see what happens. <laughs> Just looking up carrot futures. That's millionaire mindset. I guess. I've run into the issue of that I don't really know how to read carrot futures. Are that is that a thing? I don't I don't I am on the usda.gov and it's the specialty crops market news. <laughs> See, okay. So the thing is we had a chance to build any society that we wanted. And this is the one that we built where carrots have a little graph that goes up or down carrots and those carrots with their graph that goes up or down affect whether or not the reds trade good baseball players this is it this is what we chose and not like you and i chose it but we the royal we i'm i'm able to see your soybean oil futures oh right those are that's like kind of a meme that's a that's an actual thing yeah uh corn corn futures i'm not i know about corn futures let's see lean hog futures God. random length lumber futures wow i'm getting interested in this the now. thing is i don't really know if the castellini's claim to famous carrots that's just what that's the just bit kind of the started bit. with right but i think they're just broad wholesale they could fruits be corn and guys i don't really know they could be tomato guys i'm more of an onion guy myself love onions you can do so so versatile bob sweet savory bob spicy. or phil if you have a favorite produce item well no because we already have a song and we can't ask people to make more song that's just like free labor at that point people have already generously donated their ip it's to this, this podcast yeah so it's carrots we're creating our own reality 
Do you agree that the Castellini stock is down? <laughs> yeah, yes, I do. Well, and so I will play off of that because the next item on this list is simply I just wrote down ownership groups. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. it. That's the tweet. I love it. I love it. I just I I think that we like starting the essay out with being like we live in a society, uh-huh. and that society has rules. Yeah. <laughs> That's the typical pitches equivalent. I just we're at a point where I think ownership groups rightly have realized that there's Stevie likes that one. She likes the ownership group stock down. She jumps up on the couch for that. Hi, baby. <laughs> this is all staying in the podcast. Please, uh, ownership groups have rightly realized that they can largely tell fans whatever they want right and they'll be provided enough cover from the rest of the ownership groups or the the commissioner or the media to be able to say those things and i think they are acting more outwardly brazenly than they have before which is not to say that Owners haven't been consistently trying to game the sport for their own benefit for a, a majority of the existence of the sport. But I think that has reached a point where it's a little more out in the open than yeah. it was before. So you mentioned the Castellinis. Um, the the A's are a, another really obvious one that's just... I, We've gone a good three or four weeks without talking about the A's. That's mm-hmm. probably... Did you know they're the worst team in baseball? Yeah, they're pretty bad. I, it's kind of remarkable. Hmm. Turns out Moneyball only gets you so far. At a certain point, you still you need the ball part of that. Is this, <laughs> is this even still Moneyball? No. That's a whole other question, actually. Maybe we should save that for a future podcast. This is not Moneyball. No. Billy Bean is just like, you know what? That was my that was my old shit. Yeah. I'm trying a new genre. <laughs> it's like a punk band. It's this like is, pivoting to folk. This is his pivot. He sold out. He went mainstream. Oh, he's go- yeah. He's going mainstream. He's playing arena rock now. Right. He's just kind of like, Moneyball whatever I can punk? do to cash the checks. No, Moneyball was not punk, obviously. Moneyball was... No. I don't know. What? Uh, pop punk? Yeah, kind of. Like kind of a, 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 a bastardization of... Of the the roots of the genre, right? But like, then there's a couple moments that sneak through where you're like, "Well, this works," right. you know? Like exactly. When, I'm like, this like scratch, the 2002 this scratch is a niche for me. Yeah, it like, does. <laughs> there's something there. We are so down the rabbit hole. I agree with this you. Is, uh, what this is our second piece of data in in the last like two weeks that we are actually a music podcast. This is true. But the other one was a large piece of data. Yeah, it was, it was. just like, kind of a whole episode. Yeah. Um, thanks to Steve. Uh, okay, my final down is uh, letting a top three baseball player hit his walk year with no extension. That's a down. Stock down on just letting your best player accrue hella value right before he's about to become a free agent. And I'm talking, of course, about Aaron Judge, uh, who we have spent very little time talking about on this podcast. We don't do MVP hedging. We don't do war leaderboard chat. We don't talk about OPS plus or WRC plus all that much on this podcast, but that's not to say that we don't pay attention to things like that. And what Aaron Judge is doing right now is um, it's a pretty big middle finger to the Yankees ownership. And I feel like we should, you know, not to do Yankees apologia this early in the podcast. I know we're going to get text messages about this from friend of the podcast, Mike Schubert, but um, 
it's pretty, it's based, it's based what Aaron Judge is doing. He is extracting more money out of the Yankees ownership. And I don't know, I just got to tip my cap, stock down. I was just really hurting for a third down. This is more of a stock up, to be honest. <laughs> right. But stock down, the fact that the Yankees let Aaron Judge raise his stock. <laughs> yeah, I guess getting the shot wasn't that bad after all. Huh? Oh my God. You ruined it. Just What's your third down? <laughs> um, my third down is actually what's up right now. And that's the the ball. Mm-hmm. Home runs are back, baby. Yeah. Quietly. In, quietly. Not that quietly, actually. No. But in a, in a somewhat dramatic way, this has obviously been much discussed here and outside the podcast, right? But, but early on in the season, it was looking like we were back in dead ball era Manfred version. Right. Mm-hmm. And that has rapidly turned around to the point where in the middle of May, that abruptly reversed course. The home run rate rose by a couple of percentage points, like from from week to week, which is a staggering thing to happen. That's like yeah. like a like two percentage points does not seem like that much. But it's but not two percentage points more two percent more home runs than were before it's two percent more plate appearances result in home runs right right right. and when you're talking about just the number of fly balls that players are hitting from plate appearance to plate appearance that's that's a lot more home runs to be going out of the yard not to mention the fact that this happened in such a brief period of time right i home runs always trend upward during the warmer months. during the the warmer months when there's uh, less water vapor in the <laughs> air that's slowing them down I don't, I don't yes know. we're not no no, no, not no meteorologist going. no actually like, keep going wait so explain more about the science behind why warmer means more home runs there um the the ball gets hot and and so it wants to get out of there and and yeah it's it's uh, it's like Icarus flying <laughs> towards the sun. As the sun comes out, it wants to fly for it's bro. I don't know. My point being, it's never ending, right? I yeah. remember you brought this up. You wanted to talk about this a few weeks ago, kind of before this shift happened uh, in the middle of May. And we're back here again with just more questions than answers. So is the stock down? your faith in major league baseball with regards to the ball is that what's down here or is the stock down water vapor in the air (laughs) stock down astrophysics right there's a higher dew point (laughs) no i i see what you're saying i mean i i don't know that like my the stock down is in my faith because i've I don't know. Never it feels like that one faith. that one's bottomed out. Right, right. We've already filed that one at bankruptcy court. The it's that dollar amount has been depegged from the, the US dollar. It's a, a long it's time. A penny stock go. now. Yeah. How many more stock phrases do we know? Is that know. all of them, it's, right? Do we just hit a perfect perfect game? <laughs> is that all of our stock phrases? This is a big stock. It's uh, a bull discussion. market? No, it's a uh, bear market. It depends on what what is the market. I don't know. Um I think the shocking thing about this is 
Well, number one, I think it's funny that announcers just have to be like, because they're league partners, they just have to be like, that ball looked like it carried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then leave it alone. Yeah. And number two. The wind, the wind must have really picked that one up. You can tell the player didn't expect it to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> that just that just died on the warning track. <laughs> the water vapors. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the, the second thing is how quickly they, they can change this. Just It just means that they, they just have a lever, basically. They just press a button and everything changes. And that's moderately alarming. Moderately alarming. Kind of cool, no, honestly. Knowing how much betting money is coming into baseball, it's moderately moderate to high alarm level. Here. Yes, I agree. That said, if <laughs> Smokey the Bear sign for fire danger is <laughs> getting pretty high. It's, we're in the red now. If if I had a seat in front of the levers of Major League Baseball, <laughs> I kind of like I'd be like Homer Simpson, you know, at, yeah. at his workplace. Uh-huh. Where he just kind of doesn't know how anything, so he's he's spinning dials right. and he's pulling levers. I have a thing to confess. Okay, I've never watched The Simpsons. Wow, I've weirdly watched The Simpsons movie. Okay, but I've never really sat down and watched a full episode of The Simpsons. I I would. Okay, I think it's. Is this a TV er, podcast now? Er, <laughs> yes, it is. I early season Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Is like it's pretty good. The okay. the like jokes per minute ratio is like pretty high. It's and I, my understanding is that it's sort of like in our sensibility, like our general worldview. Like it's making fun of the stupid world that we've created. Right, exactly. Okay. I'll give it a shot. This just in. Check out the Simpsons. <laughs> stock up, the Simpsons. Uh okay. Should, speaking of that, should we go to stock yeah, up? We should go to stock up. Yeah. Okay. You go first. Cause I want to end on it's important for my um my segue skills Ooh, here to okay. end on the one that I'm going to end on. Good. That's good. Just producing teasing right a segue. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's how we do it. Radio, baby. My my first one up, which you'll groan at, um, is I'm ready. I'm readying my groan is that Canada um, oh. decided not to allow back in January decided not to allow uh, unvaccinated athletes uh, into the into their country, which mm-hmm. I think is generally a, a good idea. You know, and the result of that is it's very easy to see who's kind of a meathead in baseball. Yeah. Like you just get to see who's on the restricted list that week for this series. <laughs> I feel like a necessary plug right here for a batting around segment player to be shamed later yeah. that they've been doing all year, which is keeping a running tab of all of the players who um, deserve shame for not being able to enter the entire country of Canada. <laughs> Because of their vaccination status. Um, yeah, Novak Djokovic has nothing on these guys. As always, Batting Around is the companion podcast for tipping pitches. They are. Uh, so stock up um, accountability, transparency. What? What's the stock here? What am I buying? Yeah, I think just a more holistic worldview of this sport. You know, again, these are just these are just data points on a spreadsheet. But I think they add to they kind of color in around the edges a little bit. Okay. Right. Yeah. See, now I'm like, now I'm like, damn, uh, Dylan Cease with 12 strikeouts. That's crazy. But also, you know, you know what else is crazy? <laughs> the other thing Public is, <laughs> um, Mets have not gone to uh, Canada yet this year. Speaking of the Mets, stock up, Buck Showalter. Man, talk about a stock that's through the roof right now. Yeah. You know, people like Buck. Always have liked him when he was the Orioles manager. Clearly, he got. 
all the juice out of that orange when he was managing the Orioles. Uh Because it was always confounding that they had the best record in the AL East over that stretch because they clearly had, like, they beat every projection system, I'll say. That's how I'll phrase it. They they did not have the most talent at that time in the AL East. And the the rub on Buck is, like, he's so detail-oriented. His attention to detail is so much higher than other people that over a long period of time, it can actually wear you out and stop being effective as a manager. Like that's that's what Jake Mintz told me when I was like, what should I expect Buck Showalter as manager? But for now, for that first year, the halcyon days of Buck just knowing more about baseball than everybody else in the entire stadium, all 60,000 people that are in that stadium, it's pretty nice. That stock is up. And in turn, Clint Yates' stock is up for choosing him in the all-gift that's draft. Right. Because the man's face... No matter the emotion, the man's face is everywhere. So stock up, Buck Showalter, and then parentheses, Clinton Yates. And in parentheses, the, the New York Mets as, yeah. as a result. Well, okay. I didn't want to jinx it. I didn't want to get ahead of myself. I feel, I feel uncomfortable talking about the Mets when they're good. I know how to talk about them when they're bad. Yes. But when they're good, I'm just like, I hope it doesn't go wrong. <laughs> it doesn't really hurt. Right. I... That is true if you ignore the the text that you'll send me after a Mets win. That's just like, the Mets are so fucking good, dude. Oh, so now we're just giving away privileged information. We're just confidential. We're just turning it over. The Mets, question mark, good, good. period. <laughs> that's usually how it goes. Or like if we're in the room together Sunday nights while they're playing and they do something good and I'm watching it on game day on my phone and I just turn to you, Mets so fucking good, so yeah. fucking good. Yeah. And you're just like, I guess. That's- <laughs> Um, stock up Shakira. Uh, <laughs> stock up for you. Next stock up. Ump show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's just my perception and, and maybe it is also, and maybe it also has to do with fans kind of increasing impatience for umpires that they will kind of willingly pile on to to any moment that it seems like could be solved by a robot ump or yeah. or you know is just further indication that they are are past their prime or whatever. Yeah. But they just the moments keep coming, man, and they don't stop coming. <laughs> it's like a Smash Mouth yeah, like a Smash Mouth reference right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. That was fucking sweet. Nice work. Didn't didn't have Smash Mouth reference on my futures. Um, yeah, I think it's just, I think they're lashing out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this they is s- kind of their last hurrah. They see that the world is not for them anymore. And they're like, we're going to go out with a bang. <laughs> it's like the dinosaurs seeing the comet. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to eat as many fucking plants, plants as possible. <laughs> I don't know. How do you stick it to Earth? Yeah. Um, we're doing our best as a society. Uh, I, I you're right. Um, I think there is a general tenor of umps feeling like they are underappreciated, and I think it's playing out in uh, less than stellar ways. But I guess the stock of ump shows is up because of that. Right. I'm not necessarily saying I'm I'm enjoying the fact that right. we are getting more ump show. Although I mean, by and large, I don't I don't mind an ump show. Yeah. I think maybe I I mind it less than the average baseball viewer i'm kind of like hey here's a here's a nice burst of excitement in like a 7-2 ball game well an ump show often becomes a player show as well yeah 
and uh, a manager show and right like this is where someone like 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 buck showalter really shines right it's like he will take umpires to task um okay my next stock up the eye test crowd (laughs) yeah yeah the the sort of it's not even anti-analytics that i'm talking about it's the it's the crowd of people who appreciate things that are maybe not as quantifiable within the sabermetric community the dog and him crowd, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. I feel like they're having a moment. I'm happy for them. You know, they waited it out 25 years. <laughs> They've been sitting around listening to all the nerds. <laughs> and they're having their moment. Where are the nerds now, huh? Jazz Chisholm's got that dog in them. <laughs> Where are the nerds now? Um, well, the nerds would tell you that Jazz Chisholm is actually also playing better this year, which is why he uh, seems like he has more of that dog in him. But... uh yeah, I mean, more power to him. I think Dogenum is a little overrated at this at this moment. The stock is a little inflated. Mm-hmm. But if you bought a couple months ago, you're cashing out. Good for you. Yeah. I was, we don't have to go into the... We don't really have to dissect that that phrase, you know, exactly. Like, yeah. I'm not really... I'm not really curious to kind of probe really what you're getting out there. Yeah. But yeah, get get that dog. I just think there, there there is a reappreciation for um, players who maybe don't fit into a specific archetype. Yeah. Whereas I feel like there's like a good 12 years where we're getting a lot of cookie cutter. The best players are pretty cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, not, it's not really the case anymore. Well, it's interesting because I actually think a, a lot of that success of atypical players is promoted by, is aided by the use of analytics that sees something atypical in a guy yeah. that has the ability to throw off hitters, right? Right. Or, or that other teams are undervalued, right? Like this is... Like Nestor Cortez is right, a great example of right, this. Right, exactly. Like this was in theory... He's, he's not, and he's right next to Garrett Cole, but he's not Garrett Cole. He's right. not throwing 99 and then has a perfect slider and curveball. Yeah. But he, but his windup is fucking stupid. And if you're a hitter, you don't know what to do with that, right? Like, I think, yeah, I think it's actually funny because someone like Nestor Cortez or or even like even like Jose Ramirez or something, or they they're a player who doesn't necessarily fit into a specific archetype. But it's not it's not the saber metrics revolution that has allowed them to thrive at the level that they're thriving it's the like scouting and player development revolution that has right. allowed them to there's a teams that saw something in them that was working and didn't try to change it and you know we we don't always go into like super depth about this but that's like kind of the second wave analytics that is allowing people to appreciate the the eye test so to speak a guy that is doing something different that is like you said keeping hitters on their toes not everybody is a four-seam fastball up in the zone guy anymore. We're mm-hmm. seeing sinker ballers coming back. We're seeing guys whose velo is a little bit lower than your typical. I mean, at league-wide, we're still seeing velocity going up because we're seeing higher and higher reliever usage, and they can throw a little harder. But I feel like there are more and more examples of guys who don't necessarily have blow-you-away stuff who are having success. Yeah. And I like it. It's fun. It's good for the game. Stock up. Uh, okay, your third and final stock that listeners of the Tipping Pitches podcast should wish that they bought three months ago. Just absolute disarray in Anaheim. <laughs> Just the the state of the Los Angeles <laughs> Angels of Anaheim 
from like a business, like corporation level yeah. down to like an actual on field product, C ball hit ball level. <laughs> like, no, th- wow. So Alex is saying that you should have wished that you shorted the Angels <laughs> right. before the season, which, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty good. I just, they are in such a bizarre state as a franchise right now where certainly there are plenty of bright spots and things you can kind of put your faith and hope into, but it's kind of hard to feel optimistic, I would guess, about the direction of the franchise as a whole, right? Yep. You still have two of the best players on planet Earth on your team. The right two now. best players on planet Earth. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's really tough, but when you put it that way, it's pretty <laughs> undeniable. They obviously were in the midst of a, of a franchise worst losing streak. They tried to turn to Nickelback to to break that spell, and it just I, they fell Stock on their faces. Up. It's Chad Kroger. That's right. Look at this photograph, baby, <laughs> of, the, of the Angels tanking of Joe Madden walking out in in a jean jacket. Yep. Stock down. Joe Madden. Managers named Joe. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I, on the one hand, it like brings me a, a profound amount of sadness that Shohei Otani and Mike Trout are not in the position to actually compete on a nightly basis and go toe-to-toe with some of the best players and teams in the leagues because they deserve that more than anything else. And on the other hand, it kind of brings a nice balance to, yeah. to, the, to the universe, right? That the Angels, no matter how hard they try... Can can only be mid. No, but here's the thing. I think it's it brings balance because it just proves that you can't you can't cheat your way to winning. You can't luck into it if you don't do the right things at some level. Like look at all the World Series winners, maybe not ever, but at least of our lifetimes, they've done something well. They've spent at the big league level or they've developed well at the lower levels, or they've treated their minor leaguers well, or they've any of those things. And the Angels don't do any of those things. They spend a little bit at the big league level because they kind of have to. When you're in Los Angeles, you're just, what are you going to do with all that profit? <laughs> you got to spend it somewhere. And so, yeah, I think it, it's, it's nice to know that you can't, you can't dance around having Artie Moreno as your owner. I mean, that, they remind me a lot of where the Mets were for the last two decades before Steve Cohen. It's just, that level of turmoil at the top level, it's insurmountable. And I'm not even saying that they can't ever win if Artie Moreno is their owner, but they can't win if Artie Moreno is actively preventing them from doing the things to make the organization healthy at all levels. They've treated their minor leaguers as bad or worse than any other organization. And I don't know how you'd expect to develop depth as an organization. Like, I hate pinning it all on like one player, but why doesn't a player like Joe Adele work out when he might work out in a different organization? Like it's no, it's no surprise. Put it that way. Um, my final stock up the, the, the power of franchise value in major league baseball, <laughs> despite okay, all of this explain. stuff. Okay. Despite all of this stuff, despite all the stock down stuff, despite all of the conversations that we have on this podcast, despite the CBA, despite, the lockout, all of that stuff. Seems like 
business is still good, right? Mm-hmm. Seems like that Apple TV partnership's working out. Seems like that betting money's coming in, smoothing stuff over. There's some questions around the future of regional sports networks, but it doesn't seem like anybody is too worried about it. Um, there are currently two ownership groups who are either actively trying to sell or potentially interested in selling and or relocating. We're going to talk about one of those ownerships in just a second. There's talk of expansion, which would lead you to believe that the franchise values are high enough to sustain, quote unquote, diluting the product by putting two new teams in there, diluting this extremely closed market that we have. Um, It's just a reminder that no matter what happens in Major League Baseball, obviously there are things that I guess could come around and lower franchise value, but I've yet to see them. And I'm almost 30. (laughs) You know, like I'm four years away from being 30 and nothing in my lifetime has ever lowered general franchise values. That is, that is a stock that is going straight to the moon. (laughs) Despite the best efforts of some of the people with the most power in major league baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Those revenue sharing checks are going to keep clearing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you said, that betting money is still going strong. I'm sure that the the Nationals NFT deal, like they they made sure to get that money up front. Up front. Yeah. Um, I alluded to this, but one of those um ownership groups that is, you know, maybe loosely exploring a sale or might need a sale based on the turmoil is the Baltimore Orioles. Uh we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back, we're gonna talk about the report from this past week. The very the very messy and confusing report about the family trust of the Angelos sons and how it's affecting the Orioles organization. Look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. Alex, we've talked a lot about the Orioles on the Tipping Pitches podcast because they've been tanking for four of the five years that we've been doing this podcast. And so, you know, with our sensibilities, we care about teams that are tanking and what that means for the sport. Uh, We got a little bit of a wrinkle in the state of the Baltimore Orioles this past week when there there was a new story that came out in the Baltimore banner. It's titled, Angelo's Sons Feud Over Future of Orioles Lawsuit Reveals. That's tough. Tough headline. Um, I don't need to bore you necessarily with the details of this, but in short, Peter Angelo's, the principal owner of the Baltimore Orioles purchased the Orioles in the 1980s after winning a gigantic class action lawsuit, making a lot of money off that, decided to purchase the Orioles. You guys know Peter Angelos. His sons, Lewis and John, are in effect supposed to be stewarding the Orioles now that Peter Angelos' health has sort of gone down over the last few years. They've created a family trust that would split the, the control of the Orioles evenly amongst these two sons. Yet I think John has been the one who has had the most public facing role as the owner and control person of the Orioles over the last few years. And this lawsuit is from Lewis alleging that John has acted unilaterally, which would be in violation of this family trust that says they're supposed to act in concert about the future of the organization. And the reason that this is important is because a few reasons. One, Supposedly, John wants to move the team to Tennessee. And there's a city in Tennessee that currently has an expansion-type ownership group 
ready to buy a team and move a team there into Nashville, which uh, was we've talked about it in the past, is headed by you know Dave Dombrowski and some other money people and Justin Timberlake and all of these other folks. Um, that's one of the reasons. And then the second reason is because, look, I know this seems like rich people shit, right? It's like billionaire creates family trust. Family argues over what that family trust means in practicality. But when you filter it through the lens of the fact that the Orioles are in the middle of one of the biggest teardowns and rebuilds and tank jobs in recent memory, it starts to make you feel a little bit queasy about how how much control petty family drama amongst billionaire families can have over the lives of millions of baseball fans. And for, at least for me, when I was reading this, I was like, so we're just firing people over because one son doesn't want this guy here and one son wants the other guy here and all of this while the Orioles are trying to remake their entire farm system and invest in player development and make sure that Adley Rutschman is good and make sure all these pitching prospects stay healthy. All of this at the top, it on its face, it seems like it shouldn't matter, but it, it, it kind of does matter, right? Right. Well, because these are the people who control the the drawstrings to the purse, right? And if there are competing ideas about the direction of the franchise, that's going to have a material impact on what happens on the field. Like those things eventually do bleed over, right? Whether it's the decision to sign a certain free agent, right? Or the decision to trade a player in his walk year, you know? Like, yeah, we know how these guys think. Right, and and they're certainly not just going to let the the Baltimore Orioles, the team, go and do their pretty little thing while they're having their feuds over here, right? Yeah, like, yeah, the the state of the Orioles is really dependent on who's calling the shots, who's calling the shots, yeah, and and what decisions they're actually making. So it certainly doesn't seem to bode well for the near future of the the franchise. I don't. I I gotta say, I'm uh, I'm a little. Um, I'm a little shocked. I wouldn't have pegged the Orioles to have been the the succession team, you know? <laughs> like, my right. instincts would have been more like the Yankees. Cubs or the Yankees. Yeah. All right, family business. You have kind of your tentacles in politics and, and media and real estate. And at the center of it is this giant, you know, multi-billion dollar conglomerate, conglomerate sports enterprise. Right. So... Good on the Orioles for really kind of coming in. The dark, dark, horse. dark horse pick. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't know what goes into the decision to tank like the Orioles tanked. I think um, the hiring of Mike Elias is a big thing that goes into the decision to tank. He was one of the architects of the Astros tank job. It's the reason that the Orioles hired him. But I don't know. From It just raises a lot of questions for me about who gives the sign off on a decision like that who who is signing off and why are they signing off on five years of being terrible and are they really reckoning with how much despair that is going to cause in a fan base should they have that power no do they have that power yes and so it matters who they're allowing to exercise that power and if it's unclear or if they're doing it because of petty family drama Again, I think it's just a shining example of why we should not be allowing individuals like this or families like this 
to own these franchises. They have way too much civic value. They have way too much financial value for any one person or any two sons to be arguing about. It just, I mean, it's a circus. And I, I feel really bad for Orioles fans because yeah. I don't know how this gets resolved. I, I personally don't know how well I could do this podcast if I was suing you over it. <laughs> you don't think we could put our differences aside and say, you know what, for the good, for the good of the pod, for the good, for of, the the good pod. of the people. Yes. The good of the tippers. <laughs> That's like, we have no good name for the fans. I saw someone DM'd us about it and they were like, is tippers too obvious? And I was like, it's also not good. It's just like, what does it mean? You yeah, know? it's like it's like when you go to dinner, like you're a tipper. I think that's kind of what he was saying. Like it's odd. like it's obvious that people who listen to tippy pitches would support t- t- service t- workers. <laughs> <laughs> Same time, it's like this is a baseball podcast, right. so I don't know. Maybe maybe we change the beat of the podcast just to kind of match the the name, tipping pitches, but it's about tipping servers. Yeah. Tipping servers is that the the new name? I how much content could we get out of that these days? More than you think. Yeah the the, the tipping discourse I know like popped up again this past week. Well, a couple of weeks ago, the New York Times wrote an article about it. Yeah, because it was like the invention of Square Pay has raised more questions than answers about whether or not you're supposed to tip when you just order a coffee at Starbucks. Yeah, and I'm kind of just like. If it's going to make or break your life, don't tip. And if it isn't, then give a couple bucks to the people who are working that shift. Obviously, tip if the person like waits on you. Also, but- what is the like concern trolling over this? Like, This is actually one of the key economic issues that we need to be discussing right, right. now. You yeah. know, like People are grappling over the tough decisions they have to make while a barista <laughs> stares at them. Will they hit 10%? Will they hit 15? Will what they is, custom? What is the, will they hit custom? What is the public shame that comes with not pressing a ticket? You know, it's like they went, instead of going to talk to, to Trump voters about voting for them a second time, right. they were like, my, all my friends stopped talking to me after I like, <laughs> didn't leave a tip at the restaurant. Well, here's what they should have spent that time and energy doing. Figuring out whether or not those companies are actually giving those tips to those employees. <laughs> because there are laws that say that they're supposed to be doing that. But I got to say, sometimes when I walk into an establishment, I know when I'm pressing that tip button, I don't have faith that it's going to go to the person that actually served me. Yeah. Don't have faith. Why would I? <laughs> Plenty of companies like, I don't know, DoorDash, <laughs> Uber. See, you asked how much content we could get out of this. Damn. You're actually right. You're actually right. All right. It's, uh, this podcast is making a hard pivot to be about the gig economy and how tipping factors into it. Um, all the way back to the Angelos family. Um, it's bad. It's a bad situation. Anything else on this? Because we we spent so much time talking about stock up, stock down, and we have a couple of voicemails to get to. So I don't I don't want to make the pod drag too long. This was my sort of pet project that I wanted to talk about the f- <laughs> downfall of the Angelos family. <laughs> I, I guess my uh, my last question before we move on from this is: if you had to pick either Phil Castellini or John Angelos. Right. One like who's choose your fighter. Right. Choose your fighter. Like one who is openly one who openly disregards the, the interests of the fans, says as much to their faces, mm. and other otherwise really just kind of doesn't pay attention to anything the team is doing. I got the vibe from him that that he doesn't really like know 
maybe like how many outs are in an <laughs> inning. <laughs> yes. He was sort of putting off like a weird kind of, I don't know how many players are on the field at once energy. Right. Like he had kind of just come home. He'd been I, at the strip club like all night cocaine. and he yeah, I think like it was rolled cocaine. up at like 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Had allegedly. not slept. Allegedly. Parody. <laughs> I guess I'd, I'd rather have Castellini. At least he's fun. Right. Good hang, maybe. Yeah, there's a dark energy coming from this Angelus thing. Yeah, that I, I don't. I feel like I understand Castellini. He's a paisan as well, so I feel like <laughs> I mean I get it. I get it. Uh, okay, let's let's go straight to those voicemails. Hello, Bobby. Hello, Alex. So my MLB baseball Twitter moment that I wanted to talk about. It, it, it's probably a smaller moment than some other ones, and there's probably more significant ones that I'm not thinking of. But one that I really liked was after the 2020 World Series when Rob Manfred was giving Corey Seager the MVP trophy. He, like, was having a hard time speaking coherently, and it's probably it was probably because he was getting weird feedback in his earpiece and everything, but it just sounded like he was having a fucking stroke, and that's what everyone on Twitter started to, like, Day. And I thought the tweets and discourse around that was very entertaining. Like, Foolish Baseball posted a pretty funny clip on his Twitter about it. So, yeah, that, that gave me a good laugh that night. So, yeah, that's, that's my uh, MLB baseball Twitter moment. This person left out the fact that Justin Turner also tested positive for COVID in the middle of this and then <laughs> right. walked out, back out onto the field, which people were also tweeting about at the same time. Yeah, Manfred was getting feedback in his head on uh in his headset on like he was hearing himself delayed, which makes it really impossible to continue to speak because you're hearing what you just said and you know what you just Yeah, it's a whole thing. But there were people who were like, is he having a stroke? Are there were people who were like, is he drunk? Right. Like what what is happening here? It doesn't seem like Rob to come out schwasty at the fucking World Series presentation trophy. There's a little bit of like tone policing too of like, yeah. stop laughing at this. Commissioners only do this when they're very scared or tired, you know, like. <laughs> um, That's a, it's a good submission. And, you know, I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed that only one person called with their favorite MLB Twitter moments. Mm. You at home right now, you're listening. Maybe you're not at home. Maybe you're at work. More power to you. Listen to Tipping Pitches at Work based. 785-422-5881. We will play your submission for what the best moment to be on baseball Twitter was. Um, okay, let's move on to our next voicemail. Hey, what's up? Uh, this is Alejandro. I'm a fan of the White Sox in, in Chicago. Not a fan of their mayor. Uh, or the manager, I meant to say. Manager. Anyway, I hate the mayor too. Uh, just watched Tony LaRusa do an intentional walk on a 2-1 count with two outs. Left Dylan Cease out there struggling with no one in the bullpen and, uh, just totally losing my patience with the White Sox and don't think I have it in me to be a Cubs fan. Uh, love the team, hate the ownership, hate the manager. How do I, uh, how do I pick a new team to root for? If you lived in Chicago, could reasonably travel around or at least see teams when they come to visit either the Cubs or Sox, who would you support instead? Because uh, I'm on the market. I'll take my call off the air. Thanks. First of all, Alejandro, incredible Freudian slip to say that you hate the mayor. <laughs> nice work. And um, I think the listeners of Tipping Pitches 
will appreciate that Lori Lightfoot stray shot. Um, we've gotten this question a few times. How do you pick a new team when your team is really dumping on you? I don't know. We, we often give the advice of just like choose players that you like the most and whatever team has a collection of players that you feel like is striking your fancy, just side with that team for the year. Um, I will say this. Don't abandon your White Sox fandom. Don't let them, don't let them win. Don't let the bad guys win. Don't let Jerry Reinsdorf, don't let Tony LaRusso walking people on one, two counts with two outs. Um, don't let them win because this team is as much your team as it is their team. Maybe you don't get to, to uh, pocket all the profits at the end of the year and then lie about how baseball isn't profitable. But like they wouldn't exist without you and the collection of other fans who put up with their shit. And if every team's fan base just like allowed the ownership group to drive them away, then we would basically just be admitting that a collection of 30 old white guys actually do own the whole sport. And I don't think that they do. So you don't have to follow them. You can be pissed off and you can ditch them for a year or two years or five years or 10 years or whatever. But just keep a little space deep in the recesses of your heart for the potential you could take back the White Sox at some point. Counterpoint, I want to see what would happen if they drove everyone away. Sure. Well, not not to be too mean, Alex, you're already seeing it. You, specifically, right. Alex Bailey, yes. are yeah. already seeing what would happen if they drove everybody away. Mm-hmm. There are only single-digit thousands of people coming to A's games this year. Yep. Are you going to go see the A's when you go to Oakland in a couple of weeks? I don't know. I was... I was thinking about this last night, actually, because I I feel very hesitant to give them any of my money. Mm-hmm. Um, but in. well, okay. So so what I was thinking was get credentialed. I really actually shouldn't say any of this uh, on air, but um, I'd, I this is something someone could do, right? In theory, you could buy a ticket for a really cheap seat, and then in theory, mm. use. Um, and an image editing program to manipulate <laughs> the the ticket on your phone to maybe say a section that, for example, you're not actually sitting in, and and use that to gain access to said section, and then maybe theoretically speaking, you could bring um, uh, you, a sign. The royal you. you, the royal you, could bring a sign that expresses your disdain for John Fisher, perhaps. The Royal U could go to dhgate.com and get a custom jersey that says sell the team or or Fisher's wallet or something along those lines. Again, not that I would do any of these things. This is inspired. Specifically. This is inspired. I'm just like fucking come on, man. <laughs> what you've 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 forced me into this position. The royal, the royal me. <laughs> the royal me. <laughs> Tipping Pitches does not endorse dhgate.com until they're willing to give us money. Tipping Pitches does endorse everything else Alex just said. Uh-huh. Um, Alejandro, back to your question. Come be a Mets fan, dude. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's fucking go, Mets. Yeah, I mean, I think that like more and more, my evaluation of like who I want to root for really does come down to like how do they treat the fans and what is their relationship to baseball because I don't find it hard to root for a team who is bad but is maybe actually doing the best that they can you know 
Yeah. Like if I know that there's a collection of players out there who the team is willing to invest in and and throw their weight behind and they happen to, you know, end up only winning like 75 games or something like that, like they fucking did their best, you know? Like I really participation trophy hours. It's, it's big participation trophy hours. This is why I want everyone to win the World Series every year because I'm just like I don't ro- <laughs> I don't like seeing them bits. fail. <laughs> Alex feeling bad when the team gets eliminated when his own team eliminates another team. Um, I think all of this is trending towards uh, me once again stabbing myself in the heart and saying that I, the Royals are not a bad team to root for. <laughs> Wow. They're like not a good team. But if you're looking for a team that is maybe, you know, occasionally treating their minor leaguers right, has a decent relationship with their fans, hates pornography. (laughs) Maybe the Royals. Maybe the Royals are for you. But really, just be a Mets fan. Like, just so rewarding. So healthy. Definitely have a good relationship to the Mets Mm -hmm. right now. Definitely not like really tired from staying up for the last 10 days straight to watch them on this West Coast road trip and them letting me down a couple times and multiple untimely injuries. Definitely, definitely a fun time to be a Mets fan. Um, Thus concludes the Tipping Pitches podcast um, because Alex and I are very tired after having to wait 10 minutes for all of the sirens outside of my apartment to stop, which you guys didn't hear any of. But we did did come up with a good garlic bread recipe and determined that fruit salad is a it takes a little effort. I think fruit salad is easy to make. Here's my number one fruit salad recipe. Just kidding. Uh, Let's. Uh, we need the Castellinis to chime in here. That's really is, what we need. <laughs> Again, veggie salad. They're they're more of a veggie salad type. <laughs> um, fruit salad recipes are more for the Patreon. You know what else is for the Patreon? It's our live Q and A on Flag Day, Tuesday, June fourteenth. Flag Day, Tuesday, June fourteenth. That is tomorrow if you're listening to this the day that it comes out. That is today if you're listening to this one day after this comes out. And that is yesterday. You missed it if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Um, It's just going to be a hang. It's going to be on a Zoom. We're going to send everybody the link. Um, Probably via Patreon messenger, but we'll drop it in Slack for those people too. And if you're listening to this and you're a member of the Alex Rodriguez VIP Club and you have not received a link to join that live Q&A, please feel free to nag us. in a Twitter DM, tipping underscore pitches, more likely in a Patreon DM if you actually want us to see it in time for the live Q&A, or in a Slack DM. People can Slack DM us if they if they want to chat about anything or nothing at all. If they just want to say, hey, uh, the Alex Rodriguez VIP club, they get a shout out. Special members of that club get a shout out at the end of every podcast. Uh, we shout out five of those people because they're basically like our producers. Um, those five people this week are Maddie and Eddie, Josh, and Henry. Mercifully, this podcast is over. Would you like to leave anybody with some sage words of wisdom, Alex? Yeah, real quick, if you if you have signed up for our Patreon, you may uh, notice that one of the perks in a couple of the tiers is a free sticker pack. Well, you're finally free. getting them. <laughs> free, free, sticker sticker, free sticker pack, yes. <laughs> we We are ordering sticker packs for all of you. And they're on their way. You should have already gotten a email about it. Don't worry, we did not covertly charge all of your cards. <laughs> um, so you, uh, this was actually just a long con grift. We're the fire festival of tipping, or we're the fire festival of uh, podcast patreons, right? And and the act we committed was 
purchasing the cheapest item on our web store <laughs> for all of our customers. <laughs> anyway, you should be getting those in the mail very soon. Um, if you haven't gotten any sort of correspondence about that, please reach out. Let us know. We might not have your your address or, or your correct email address. Email address, whatever it is. I will say, if you're an international listener, you will not have gotten that confirmation yet because we have to do something a little bit different to get you guys your stickers. But we're working on that. Um, apologies. You know, nation states make these things hard. <laughs> to be quite frank. Um, sovereignty makes our sticker shipping very difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This podcast is just, it's off the rails. Uh, it's patreon.com backslash tipping pitches if you want to get access to all of that stuff that we've been talking about for the last couple minutes. If you just want a sticker pack and you you don't want to sign up for the Patreon, I guess I, I get it. I get it. You can get that sticker pack, tippingpitches.myshopify.com, where you can also find a bunch of cool t-shirts. That's enough promo. Until next week, we will talk to everybody who is joining the live Q&A tomorrow, and we'll talk to everybody else in a week. Bye. Butter futures are down. By the dip. <laughs> you do it to yourself. You do. That's why it hurts. You do it to yourself. Just you. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya.